Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard to this very special Sunday edition, Human Events Sunday special, where we're essentially conducting a panel today for the Border Battle docuseries, which has just completed. Now its full run is available on Salem Now. We're working on getting it up on all platforms. But what I've got is a special treat for all of you because we've got the director of Border Battle as well as two of the stars of the docuseries that are here today to tell us a little bit about it, what it was like making it, and really give us some solutions about what to do moving forward when it comes to the border. So without further ado, um, you know, just want to introduce you guys and let people know we've got Bryce Eddy, we've got Marcus Wada, we've got Steve Slachevic. So uh, Marcus, tell us a little bit about yourself and how'd you get involved with the project? Yes, um, I met with Turning Point back in February. Um, Mark Lamb, Sheriff Mark Lamb in Pinal County, Arizona, uh, was so kind to introduce us, uh, Kent and myself, um, to Charlie and Marina, uh, the producers of the project, and really pour out their hearts on exactly why they believe uh, the border is a huge issue in America. And I always believed it was, um, you know, coming from my own uh, viewpoint, but when they introduced to me the uh, depth and uh, the heart behind it, um, I was shocked. And then I began to do research and um, yeah, just amazed exactly how much input that Charlie and Marina both had and all the information that they were able to handle and being plugged in with guys like Bryce, uh, Steve, Sheriff Mark Lamb, Jason Jones, um, Assistant Chief at um, Texas, uh, Texas DPS and Stacey Holland just been blessed by all these guys and really all the information and heart they have for uh, keeping their community safe um, and the border. So uh, yeah, that's kind of how it all started back in February. And then we embarked on a journey to uh, go down to Arizona first, Arizona borders, in Cochise County, and then travel all across America, whether it was Washington, D.C., where I met you first, Jack, uh, to Los Angeles, all the way to Texas, and really around the whole world. So it's it's been an amazing journey. Amen. Amen. So Bryce Eddy, executive with Covered Six Security. You've also got your show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background? Yeah, thank you. So, um, you know, our firm is a security consulting firm and vocational training school for military veterans. And so we were taking quite a few trips down there um, with a number of different people to kind of assess what was going on. And, you know, we're, we're close to Charlie and his organization from a consulting perspective. And, uh, you know, kind of put our heads together as to what the issue is and some time with the sheriff's departments and everything down there to figure out what needs to be done and then got invited to participate in this project, both as uh, security for the camera crew and also to do operations embedded with the sheriff's departments down there. And it, it was a, a wild ride, I got to tell you. No, absolutely. And then, Steve, same question, just to uh, give the audience a little bit about your background, a little bit of, uh, by way of introducing yourself. Yeah, so I've been uh, running a disaster management company for a little over 30 years. And I do. Well, that was one big disaster management scenario. But when um, when the situation started changing at the border, I have personal friends that are Border Patrol and Border Sheriffs. And I was asking them about some of the trouble, some of the issues that they uh, they were encountering. And simply, I operate from a space of solutions, you know, everything from disaster planning, disaster response, and the recovery aspect of it. So I was basically applying the same information and having some of the best drone technologies and some of the best drone pilots that, uh, that we do in pre and post storm situations, urban search and rescue types of scenarios, 
I just saw that there would be a great fit for us to assist them um, in the process, uh, bringing them the tools, technology that's at the very cutting edge to just be a big support on that aspect of it. So I'm a person who sees a need and my job is simply to fill it, to be in service. And that's what we did. No, absolutely. And, and obviously that's strategic response partners there. Now, Marcus, what was it like integrating them? So obviously your background is more in terms of media production and and film, but what was it like embedding with these groups with Bryce and Steve and then working them into your team? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It was humbling um, seeing the level of expertise that each team demonstrated, um, covered six and their knowledge and just the way that they're able to assess situations and really break down, um, not only like identifying what the problem is, but also coming up with solutions as we'll get into later. Um, But just watching them coordinate, uh, whether it was setting up uh, different locations with the sheriff departments in Pinal County, uh, down in Yuma, and watching them really at a high level organize this structure. Um, You know, I've been, I've traveled all over the world, uh, Philippines, Japan, China, Korea, uh, doing different productions. And it was really humbling to see what a high level caliber um, that this team does that really, I don't think does many productions uh, can do. So I, I was able to glean a lot of wisdom from them. And then just utilizing the uh, amazing technology that Steve and his team, and really, I mean, outside of just the the coordination with Cover 6 and the amazing technology, just people in general, these guys are just great. So I was able to learn so much in terms of their expertise on the border and uh, really just utilizing and running their teams really well. So it was very humbling and very happy. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. Now, Bryce, you mentioned something and and guys, feel feel free to chat. You know, I don't want this to be some, you know, thing where I'm just barking, uh, barking questions out there. But but Bryce, you did mention something about running operations with the sheriffs. You know, what what was that? Are you able to tell us at all about what type of operations those were or what can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, uh, the amazing thing with the sheriff's departments down there, um, you know, they know what's happening in great detail and they know where people are coming in. They know what the problem is and can identify it and have some resources, but they don't have all the resources to do some of the things that are kind of off the beaten path. For instance, we did night operations where we were going through the areas in which they were trafficking fentanyl, you know, the the folks with the carpet shoes. A lot of this is shown in the documentary. So it's really compelling to watch, you know, where people are coming in. We were also able to, you know, be there at the moments where people were just walking across the border down in Yuma and all of that. Um, in some previous things that didn't make it on film, because this was prior to the, the project, we had actually rescued human trafficked individuals. And there's uh, really some amazing things that we witnessed both before production and then also during the production, uh, such as the forward operating bases that the cartels have on our soil and things like that. Well, let me walk me through that real quick. You're you're rescuing someone. Does that mean you're actually getting them out from one of these traffic situations? Or is it kind of like these stories? I think we had that National Guardsman who he drowned when he was trying to rescue someone in the river. But you're not talking about uh, in those situations. You mean actually getting them out from the traffickers, right? Yeah, that's correct. And being able to hand them, you know, over to Border Patrol and, and you know, get them to, to safety. Um, we witnessed things that were absolutely horrible that did make it into the film, such as the rape trees. And I talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, it, I think the first episode, 
And uh, stuff like that to witness that, I mean, it makes you want to throw up the stuff that's going on that we're willfully letting go on. It should not be a, a partisan issue. It should not be a political issue. It's just, uh, I believe, a, a real attack on our sovereignty. And we need some moral clarity about this thing. No, I couldn't agree more. Steve, let me let me throw the same question at you. Was there anything that you thought that um, that didn't quite make it on the screen in the docuseries that you think people really need to understand about what, yeah, specifically there, with what you do? There was a lot of scenarios. And, you know, Bryce brings up one area that that we noticed over and over again. And this is working with the different border sheriffs from Arizona all the way down to La Jolla, uh, Texas, you know, um, the the um, the border patrol, the border sheriffs were uh, completely overwhelmed. I mean, there's there was on one of the missions where they had flown the helicopter over one area. There was they they basically cleared the area. There was nothing there. They got a whole group of migrants crossing over it. I'm communicating with the border uh, with the border patrol, and he's telling me that they're moving all their assets to this one area because they got a massive group that's crossing over. So we swung to the right and started, you know, scanning that area and picked up six drug traffickers running through the area, and we're able to shed the coordinates to split a small team off to go grab those those individuals. And then as they were dropping the bags, as they were getting arrested. We had everything with high res definition, exactly every GPS waypoint as to where they're at. But there was a time where we caught a group of 20, the 20 groups split into 12 and eight. And the, 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 border, the border sheriff's calling every one of his guys and he was tapped out. And he turns over to my drone team and a couple of the security guys that we had, and we've done multiple stuff with Covered Six, but they turned and they said, hey, can you help us, right? And in that situation, we're jumping in the vehicle, ripping down the highway, going down this back road, climbing a 14-foot fence while my drone team's on comm saying, go 100 yards right, go 50 yards left, right there, stop right there, hold on, hold on, hold surround that area, stay in the dark, lights out. The drones are all above them. They don't realize that there's a, a thermal high-res drone completely opted out. It's completely dark, ultra quiet, so you don't hear nothing. And then... The, 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 the sheriff that was with us, he goes, OK, light him up. So the drone comes down, spotlights come on. This all gets really loud and everyone's surrounding these guys and they're shorthanded. So they're trying to cuff them right there on the ground as quick as they can. And then also one person trying to run one way, one person trying to run the other way. They realize that they're cuffed already because it's that shock and awe. Right. But right. the need for the private security aspect of it, because they're overwhelmed. And they're looking for people that are trained that can actually assist in those type of scenarios. Really, just think it, it helps the border. Uh, it's a huge liability. It's a life safety matter. Um, I can't tell you how overwhelmed they are. Um, there's times that me and Bryce were with the with the covered six group SRP. Marcus was there, and they have 60, 70 people that come across a border crossing, and they're standing there for what seven, eight hours waiting for border <coughs> patrol to show up with buses. And people are wandering off. I mean, you walk across 50 yards, you can grab an Uber. Let me right? let me hold let me hold that thought right there. We're coming up on our very first break, but I want to get into this more right after the break. Uh, we're here with the behind the border battle panel 
here on Human Events Sunday Special. Stay tuned because we're going to hear more about this saving lives, tracking the traffickers in real time across the border, capturing it. Turning Point USA, stay tuned. We will be right back. Okay, and we're back for the Behind the Border Battle special here on Human Events. And right as we left, Steve, you were telling us this harrowing story of using your drones, but then also you in real time tracking migrants and a group of them coming across illegally on the border. We had just gotten to the point where they started to be arrested. They were starting to run away, didn't even realize that they were in handcuffs. When I was in the military, we used to call that shock of capture. So you're in that shock of capture phase. They don't even realize what's going on yet. You know, you might start firing, you know, back then, because if you were doing interrogations that you fire off the questions at them, they don't even realize you know kind of what's going on tell me what 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 happened next what happened next in terms of that um that encounter well one of the things is obviously once getting getting into the encounter there was a lot of stuff that was done pre right we're watching them walk we're watching them go a little ways hide lay down you know they're not sure if they're being tracked or not um you're able to see the, the detail of whether they're carrying a weapon on them how their clothes are moving a lot of intel is being done about how they're moving what, what type of moving. what type of weapons do you see what type of weapons do you see down there Oh, uh, oh, listen. Uh, let me let me answer that because it's it's they, yeah, they are they are well outfitted, Jack. I mean, they they were not just you know having um, you know pistols and rifles. They were having the best pistols and rifles. Um, these guys, in some cases, they had AK forty sevens, but you saw a lot of AR fifteens. We're talking full kits, so they they were we're wearing plate carriers. I mean, this is a parallel military there uh, in terms of the cartel. The people that are crossing over the border that are being trafficked or paying the cartel to get across are are coming, you know, with their gear, backpacks, all that, you know, walking across, uh, you know, changing their shoes. You know, it depends on the scenario. But it was amazing to witness the sheer scale of the operation that they have going on. You see, I don't think people realize that because, you know, and go back to Steve, to your story. And I didn't mean to cut you off there, but it it seems to me that we hear that, oh, these are just people who are searching for a better life. They're just looking for economic, um, you know, some some better situations for themselves or their families. We're not hearing stories about people coming across the plate carriers and AR-15s and AK-47s unless it's, you know, the Fast and <laughs> Furious scandal. And then they don't even talk about it for 10 years. Yeah, no, I, if I could interject, there's, uh, it's amazing to see exactly what you're talking about, Bryce and Steve. And it's, uh, there are families coming over. That's not the issue, though. The, the biggest issue is that criminals, like part of this paramilitary group with these cartels, not only the pistols, not only automatic machine guns, you're talking about like full-size tanks that they have at their disposal. Um, these, these militia groups aren't militias like how you think about here. They are literally as strong, if not stronger, than the Marines in Mexico. These people are absolutely terrorists. It is not this, I don't know, I don't know, backwoods militia group just selling drugs in the mountains. These guys are organized, more, more intelligent than you think. When you make over $24 billion per month off of human trafficking, you have a lot of money at your disposal for the best intel, for intel that our military or our government systems who don't communicate well together, um, are not able to map because we have restrictions. We obey laws. Our, um, you know, the Texas DPS, for example, they cannot dis dispose of their drones the way that the cartel can. They're like, oh, $13,000 drone? We're going to fly that into your drone. They don't think about it the same way. They have scouts with 
sniper rifles on the other side of a mountain. I've seen it in Cochise County on the other side. They have this camp set up where a sniper, uh, a sniper will actually be there making sure that other rip crews in Arizona will not rip off a uh, something they're trying to smuggle over. These aren't family units. These are absolutely when you criminals. Say, when you say rip crew, that the idea of a rip crew is that somebody who's who's looking for one of these, um, one of these basically like, uh, what would you call it? Like a train or a caravan, one of these groups to come over and then hit them. Like, like basically, you're basically talking wild, wild west banditry, like the same way it's been there for 200 years. <clears throat> exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Bryce. And I, uh, yeah, I mentioned um, at, at the very beginning and kind of hit it in passing, but I want to focus on this. We have forward operating bases. The, the cartel is on our soil with forward operating bases right now. We witnessed them. We saw them. Uh, when we went down during the daytime, the first time when we were scouting locations in Yuma, we could see them. We felt the hair on the back of our necks at first uh, stand up and then, you know, glass the areas and we could see them in the distance. And it was on our soil. That's that's one of the things that people need to understand. The second thing about that is, is here in California, where I'm at, we have desert cities that are actually dominated by the cartels and run by the cartels to the point that local politicians are terrified of them. Now, you're saying and 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 I want to be clear about this and, and Steve, back to you as well, that. This is happening on our side of the border. This isn't in Mexico where we're talking about Correct. these cartels that, that control, you know, these vast swaths of territory. They're uh, just south of the border. So the northern northern, you know, basically tier of Mexico. You're talking about on American soil. All this is going on, Steve. Uh, when you're working with these sheriffs, I mean, are they they're all aware of this? They understand this is going on. But it, it speaks to what you were saying about them being overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 the sheriff's department's not only being overwhelmed, they're getting played. Because when they're sitting at the top of these mountain peaks, mountain ranges, and they have the, the range finders and they have these these the, the, the scopes, we're running our own scopes. So we have our own our own scopes are, are you know, that, that have the long range stuff on it. We can actually see them looking at us. Mm. And so they're giving comms to their people going through that area to come across or they're smuggling drugs, whatever else. And there's many times we're ripping our drones and there's no pattern that we do. And so we'll get on top of these guys and they're in full camel. They'll drop down in the grass, like in whatever that's at. They'll lay there. And then you see them on the phones talking to the scout on the mountaintop. Hey, I got a drone on top of me. Which way do I go? You know, meanwhile, they know exactly when the border patrol comes in, when their shift changes are, when the, the, the border sheriffs, how they're moving, where their truck is, the dust trails. So they stop, move people all around that. It's like a coordinated uh, traffic route that has scouts and like this full blown logistical operation. I mean, that sounds like that sounds like like a a military unit, basically. That sounds like a military unit movement operation, like the same type of stuff I trained on uh, when I was in the military. That to me sounds where you're using to your point, right? You've got um, you've got aerial, you've got overhead, you've got your own drones, you got your own scouts. I mean, you're not talking about this isn't a couple of people just, you know, (laughs) crossing the river. No, this isn't. This is a military operation. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what it is. It's difficult for them to get into those areas. They know that, right? So by the time the border sheriffs try to get up into a mountain range where they're at, they simply track across it. They're 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 across the border of Mexico. The sheriff leaves. It's almost like they they know that they can't get to them, so they just move back into the area. And it's it, the terrain's very difficult. And there's routes that are not being patrolled by anybody, and they they know what those routes are, when to move through those sectors, and go undetected. 
Yeah. And when, and with their overwatch, you know, all they have to do is warn them when they see the lights of the sheriff's department, the dust, and, you know, anything coming their way, border patrol agents, and they can run them off. We should talk about the border patrol agents for a moment because I, I feel bad for those guys. Those guys are despondent and demoralized because they could, if again, there was political will, they could solve this problem. And most of them are hamstrung because of what's happening now and that political temperature that we have. Um, I think this is an attack on our sovereignty as a nation. And these guys are unable to do what their whole entire purpose is. And it's uh, it's sad to see. Some of that, I know we, we put into the the docu-series, but a lot of it, just the exchanges we had friendly with these Border Patrol agents as we're walking around prior to filming or in the middle of shoots, they were telling us all kinds of heartbreaking things. Well, what, yeah. give, me, give me an example. We got a couple of minutes. Well, well, give me an example of something they would say. Yeah, Marcus um, wants to take it. yeah. yeah we, we interviewed um, specifically somebody. We did not want to um, cause them to lose their job, so we did put them in a, in a situation where yeah, the, voice the, uh, the whistleblower. So that, that yeah, for, for whistleblower. It, this is the episode where we have the the whistleblower. I think it, the interview plays in a couple episodes, but this is the whistleblower yeah. who was in the silhouette. Go ahead. Correct. He's in episodes one, two, and five. Uh, just hearing exactly um, how evil it is, the way that they are not limited, or the way they are limited to do their job. They are mm -hmm. very capable. From 2016 to 2020, they were very capable at the job. Then all of a sudden, 2021 on, all of a sudden they're inept. It doesn't make sense. So, but these people are going through it. They're seeing dead bodies at a record rate. Um, I, I believe it was over 2,000 recovered dead bodies in the state of Texas um, and because of cold, because of conditions that, you know, we're allowing people to come in and we're allowing criminals to make their way in, uh, but in disposing of family units, they're utilizing families as a distraction. So the, the biggest problem that we have isn't um, the border patrols and capabilities. They're capable people. These are professionals that, want to take care of their community. These people are very capable at everything they do. Uh, if you watch any of their uh, films and the way that they're trained, they're military level talent. Um, the problem is the way that they're being handcuffed right now and just used as a, a professional Uber service where they're taxing people being inundated into certain areas where the cartels know we're gonna send in family units over here to distract them and to utilize our capabilities to say, hey, okay, Here's, here's where the family units go. I have a friend that's interviewed in episodes one and in two, um, Hot Neil. Um, he made his way over. He's a Cuban refugee. And he went through. And the cartel was the one organizing, he found out. And, you know, treated like raw pieces of meat, not caring. He, he witnessed people raped coming up through Mexico. He witnessed people just being killed just because, again, these people are cargo. If you're not going to obey his cargo, you're going to be terminated. So these, these border patrol agents are being inundated and they're being distracted to take care of these ports of entry or uh, at different places where it's safer for family units to travel while the cartels are going to the other side and using what you call bonsai runs. They send in family units, 20 to 100 people, and then they, boom, they'll go through a gate, they'll cut a fence, and then now you have drugs pouring into our country at a record rate. So if they send the family units to one side, we've only got a minute here till the break, but they'll send the family units to one side, wait for the Border Patrol to respond, trigger that response, which, Steve, you were just talking about, and then bang, they'll hit this other route as they know the people are going over there. And that's where the drugs are coming in. That's where other trafficked um, just, you know, obviously, you know, military age males and the rest are coming through. Correct.
The situation yeah. on our border, it's completely insane. Um, I, I don't think people realize you you guys, you're not talking about some, you know, some little low level issue. This isn't street gangs. This is a military operation. What we're talking about here is a war. It's a war with a transnational parallel military organization, multiple organizations that's going on on our border every day. And the Border Patrol agents, they're not given the ability to actually fight it the way they should. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Behind the Border Battle continues. Jack Pasobic, we're back here behind the border battle. I'm joined by Marcus Wada, Bryce Eddy, Steve Zlachevic, and we're talking about behind the border battle, the stories that didn't quite make the cut for the border battle series available, Salem Now, and all platforms. Of course, we're also summarizing a lot of what goes on. We're talking right now about the morale issues for our border patrol under this Biden regime. The fact that it's an attack on our sovereignty and they're not given the ability to do the job that they are capable of doing. Marcus, we were just talking a little bit during the break that you're actually seeing now the child trafficking that's going on across the border. Tell us about that. That's correct. It is uh, absolutely disheartening. As a father of six myself, uh, you're witnessing countless children coming in with people that are not their parents, not their family members. Uh, when we were there with Cover Six and with SRP, we witnessed many people who had children that looked absolutely nothing like them. And not only that, I have a, a friend in Border Patrol that told me a story that absolutely sent chills down my spine and still does when I think about it. But they recovered a three-year-old at the border who's been dumped and actually documented many times of crossing the border with different family units. And when they found her, she had a phone number and address attached to her, kind of just like you would a cattle, uh, registered, if you will. And so the, uh, the Border Patrol agent took her back into the Border Patrol uh, where they register everybody. And a woman came who wasn't called. A woman came and asked for her. She had a piece of paper with the document and a picture of the girl and said that it was her niece. Um, the girl did not want to be released to this woman. Uh, the Border Patrol agent had no other option because under the regulations and how they operate now, if it is a claimed family member, which there is no check, this girl did not have an ID, um, did not respond to a name, the Border Patrol agent had to give her up. And that Border Patrol agent still struggles to live with that moment. And she, he still says he sees her every day in, in his sleep. I mean, you, you hear some of these towering stories, you know, Stephen Bryce, you know, not only with the child trafficking, but what are what are some of the other stories, these craziest stories that you've heard, you know, that didn't quite make it into into the cut that didn't make it into the show? Well, there's that 11 year old that got raped multiple times. She came across the border bleeding. You know, we thought maybe she had a, she had her period come to find out there was like seven, eight, nine different strands of DNA they found in her. You know, when they did the, the when they did the, the, the work up on her. Um, the seven, nine-year-old that were kidnapped from Honduras, right? Um, and trafficked across the border by two coyotes, right? I'm a single male. My wife left me. Come to find out th those kids weren't even their kids. Um, it's, 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 it's sickening. Um, and the thing happens every day, excuse me, this happens every day. Um, and people just seem to turn a blind eye. All the border patrol that we work with, and at nighttime, they're sitting there, they're telling me, look, got another hit, got another hit, got another hit. I, I, we're overwhelmed. I can't get to all these. So it just, if they're overwhelmed, they're flooded, they're exhausted. I'm like, how many hours? He's like, I'm on overtime, you know? Um, 
on multiple runs that we were at, I'm like, where's the drone team at? He goes, oh, there's a cloud in the sky. And the drone is just, it has this old thermals on it that are four years old. It's obsolete. We don't really even use it because the drone team, even though they're supposed to be doing it, they're overwhelmed. They're being called in to do apprehension. So they can't even effectively do that part of their job. Um, then the other horrifying. Yeah. I mean, it's just horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, oh, and we oh, hear the oh. fact that they would that they would allow this to happen with with children, and that our government knows about this. And 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 Bryce, it, it, explain to me this: our government knows this is going on, and yet they they seem to allow it. They seem to enable it. Why is this happening? Yeah. Listen, I mean, uh, Jack, I, I know you talk about this on on your show on a regular basis, but this is an attack against our sovereignty. And, uh, you know, if you if you can break our borders, then you can you know reimagine them or recreate them in your own image. And we have a lot of that going on. I think it's driven by, uh, you know, globalist concerns. And so, you know, although they're aware of it, they don't care because, again, we could solve this problem. Um, you know, touching on human trafficking real quick, the thing that people don't really think about with human trafficking is drugs, fentanyl and things like that get used one time, but a human being can be used multiple times. And that's why it's such a massive industry for the cartels. That's why it's something that's so profitable for them. But if you think about what they're doing to these folks, uh, uh, many of them that are coming over have even an expectation that they are going to be raped and abused along the way. There was a, a Cuban girl that we had kind of privately talked to, and she was a lawyer and uh, came over, went through the process, trafficked by the cartel to, to get over, just you know, paying them to cross the border. And clearly she had been abused and was still in the PTSD of it and, uh, you know, didn't want to lay out the story, but you saw in her eyes the horrors that she went through. Yep. <clears throat> and we'll go ahead, Marcus. Yeah, no, I remember that. It still affects me. My editor and I, uh, when reviewing this project, this project was a blessing, but at the same time, it was uh, one of the hardest things I had to deal with. Uh, just emotionally seeing uh, all the destruction um, every day, you know, eight to eight to 12 hours editing, going through the loss, going through multiple five-year-old children that I've actually seen tossed aside. Uh, I was just with the brush team, Texas DPS in La Jolla, Texas. And uh, we were running through the brush, thorns, cacti, sticking in my leg, chasing this individual, it throws a five-year-old boy and just to, to avoid detection. And uh, I just remember as this woman claimed it was the father. And I was just, uh, as a man, you, you, you kind of want to physically engage. Um, but yeah, just, just the absolute destruction. And that what, woman, what though, happened, Yuma, what happened to the little, the kid, was he all right? He was okay. Um, the, the female that was taking care of him uh, got gathered, got processed uh, by border patrol, but um, yeah, still, you know, just being tossed aside like that as a five-year-old, I can only imagine the emotional uh, damage and if not physical, but um, how that would stick with you uh, being seen as less than human, um, it has to be ruining. So, I mean, it, it feels like we're not even, you know, let's, we're talking about the victims of this, but, you know, Marcus, Steve, Bryce, whichever you guys want to take this, who, who are some of the heroes? 
who are some of the heroes down there? You know, we talk about the victims, but but it it does feel like there are people that are stepping up. Um, obviously yourselves going down there, filming, do, running these operations. But who are some of the heroes that people can actually look to when it comes to this? These two guys. Uh, these two guys are definitely some. I'm no joke. Like I respect them. They are amazing. Uh, but Sheriff Mark Lamb. Um, yeah. And Pinal County, Arizona. Sheriff Mark Daniels down in Cochise County. Sheriff uh, Leon Wilmot down in Yuma County. Um, Texas DPS as a whole. Uh, I got to work with all the way from Alpine, El Paso. Midland, uh, La Jolla, all the way down um, to Edinburgh. Um, these guys and, and women, they, they all risk their lives daily with, with little pay in comparison. If you think about the physical um, requirements that they have to do, uh, but I'm talking about Stacey Holland, uh, Jason Jones, who's actually with Newsmax, and I work with him at Newsmax as well. Um, these, these guys, they put their life on the line every single day no thank yous for the most part, maybe a free diner meal every once in a while. But these people have families. These people have real life uh, relationships and they're, they're facing down the barrel daily. And, um, you know, I've gotten to go in helicopters with these guys and underground units and uh, me and my team. And I I can tell you like Kent and I and Ryan, we've experienced so many blessings just by seeing the sheer determination these people have to protect the community. Uh, but yeah, Jason Jones as well, like I said, um, and uh, Stacey Holland and Texas DPS, these, these guys and their whole teams, I, I'm blown away with the care they have. Yeah, yeah this, I'll, I'll, so, I'll, add, I'll, sorry, I'll, I'll add to that. Uh, sorry, Steve, I'll add to that. But the, um, the, the sheriff's departments, without a doubt, but also the citizen journalists and like Marcus and his team, you know, he's saying nice things about us. But what they're doing to expose this, I mean, Charlie Kirk, TPUSA, um, you know, putting themselves on the line. Uh, Marcus put himself in danger. Um, you know, he he was down there wearing rifle plates and everything because, you know, we didn't know exactly what we were going to get into. And then you have the Drew Hernandez of the world, the, um, you know, uh, other folks, Jorge Ventura, all of these people that have been going down there on their own to expose this stuff and try to get some of these things highlighted. Those are the heroes right now. We need to bust this thing wide open and reveal what's truly going on. No, I think that's right. Steve, you were gonna say something. Yeah, I was, uh, just uh, adding to what Bryce saying, uh, Sergeant Tim Williams, you know, out of Cochise mm. County and his Saber team, incredible, right? These guys are the unsung heroes. And the other people that I wanna also is the guys that are quiet, they're silent, but they're sharing intel from board, both Border Patrol and, and, and uh, Border Sheriffs, right? Um, all of them just sharing information on the back end. Um, everybody that's putting their, their voice out there who's showing up there is putting their lives at risk. These, I live 40 miles from the border, right? We're, we're, you know, along with Covered Six, our name's out there, right? So our families are at risk. But you know what? We do it for the love of the country and for the fact of just humanity. Like when you come across these children, the, the, these kids who had no choice, right? And God calls us to be in service. So when you step in there and you're intercepting one at a time, you've changed the trajectory of that child's life. They don't know you. They don't know the team members. They don't know the sheriffs that showed up there to intercept that situation. But these guys get up every single morning and they show up with their hands tied behind their back, uh, taking all kinds of negative press. They can't speak out. The border people that live along the border ranches, these ranchers that we've talked to, where they're cutting their fence, they're killing their cattle, they're letting their cattle out, they're destroying their properties. 
the real estate agents who I know that are along the border areas who can't sell the property, property values have substantially dropped. You know, um, there's a group that's put a class action together to go against the federal government for these border property owners that have lost just about their entire livelihood. Wow. The ranches, people don't go out to these ranches to hunt, these private reserves. I mean, it just goes on, the ripple effect. And one thing I wanted to add also is that people don't understand. My buddy, and I, and also Bryce knows this firsthand, is LA County Sheriff, uh, the stuff that they're seeing, the increase in gangs. They got fresh recruits, not just in LA County, but in New York and all wow. kinds of other areas. Yeah, we are. We're coming up on our on our our last break. But when we come back, when we come back, I want to turn the situation here around a little bit and talk about pie in the sky. What can we do to solve it? Come back behind the border battle. Human Events Daily. Okay, we are back with our final segment here. Human Events Sunday behind the border battle. Final segment. You know, we've gotten to some rough stuff here on the show. Uh, we've been having hitting some definite low spots, but I wanted to also mention we just talked about the heroes, but I also want to get into solutions because I think so often we talk about the border. People know it's bad. They realize how harrowing it is. What can we do about it? And so I want to kind of go through the the circle here and ask, let's start with uh, let's start with Steve. And I'll ask all you guys the same question. Blank check, unlimited budget. Um, you know, assume that you're going to get whatever executive order you need, et cetera, et cetera. The courts are going to go your way. What is what does right look like? How do you solve this? What's your task force like? What's the authorities? What do you do, Steve? You know, um, I think it's a multi-pronged solution, right? I think um, the private security side of it is going to be a big part of it. You got to disrupt. You got to disrupt it. You got to make it very difficult for them to be able to continue um, operations as business as usual. Right. So I think for me, obviously in the space, the drones part of it is really good at, at, at capturing them and putting actually a drone solution together, but also being able to, when they do the pickups on the highways to have a drone team that's dedicated to tracking these to their stash houses and all the way through the channel. So you could disrupt the entire channel. That means going into South America, finding where the root of the octopus starts and then actually cutting off that entire leg. Yes, it's going in and it's extracting the root out. You keep cutting these branches on our side of the border, that just keeps growing another branch, another leg. I think you got to go straight into the root, track it from the root and disrupt the entire supply chain. So are you, and, and just, to, just to go on with that, are you talking, would that look like military would that look like national security agencies or just kind of an all of the above sort of approach um i, I think that it's got to be the, the the two the two governments got to be working together right i mean yeah. that's that's the biggest biggest problem here you know uh, somebody's got to want to stop it look i don't run the military but when you stop a hole when you create a container system or you you know you rehire the border patrol that you fired right you bring in the resources um, you put you put up that 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 front. Um, you track them. You, you stop them in their tracks left and right. They're, they're, it's real disruptive. You're grabbing their drugs. You're stopping the, the sex traffickers. You're dropping the child traffickers. <clears throat> you know, exactly. I, I feel that you know, and then you're able to tra- chase them. And here's the thing: we ch- we chase tornadoes right with sure. high speed drones, racing teams, and you do it safely because they know once they get past a certain speed limit, the, the DPS. 
border patrol, border sheriffs have to back down. They can't race through these towns. So these getaways, you stop them with using high-speed drones that they don't even know they're being tracked, and you start hitting them in those areas and using technology, you know, you get them a bunch of times, it's going to, it's going to, no, gonna I agree. With you. Definitely, definitely technology is going to play a huge part of that. Bryce, let's go. Same question to you. Unlimited budget, unlimited authorities. What do you do? Yeah. I'm going to answer it a little bit differently though. Cause I think there's a short term intermediate and then long-term solution, but I'll hit you with the short term. If you have a governor, even with a political will to do something on their own border, I think you can solve it um, and, and kind of create the pressure on the other states to also do something similar. <laughs> what I would do is I would augment the sheriff's departments down Arizona, where we spent a lot of time. Those guys already know where to go, where things are happening, where the drugs are coming in, where the personnel is coming in. And if you declared war on the cartels in those areas, you could start to button things up by providing real resources to them. Again, augment their forces. You know, we we have a you know a, um, a a vocational training school for military veterans. You could repurpose military vets and you know put them in service, train them, uh, have them work alongside DPS, have them work alongside the border patrol, have them work uh, with the sheriffs, and again augment and bolster their forces in order to say that, okay, this border is shut down. And if you did that, even in just certain areas, it will force the flow into the other areas. And then you're going to have to have a cohesive response across our entire border. If you have a you know federal administration that wants to do this, it's going to be similar. You're going to have to have somebody that has the political will to say that it ends here and really increase the penalties for traffickers you know, really work hard, you know, with the Mexican government to make sure that we're not getting the fentanyl and the human trafficking in, but you could do it. No, I agree. Um, Marcus, same question. Yes. Um, thank you for allowing me to go after the two experts, but I think uh, I would like to piggyback <laughs> of all of them, but I think legislatively we need to designate the cartels as a terrorist organization. Amen. They are absolutely stronger than ISIS, they have more pool than any other organization in the world to me. Financially, they money launder through China. They have relationships with them. That's where they get the fentanyl precursors is from China. Um, this isn't some conspiracy. This is just actual where they produce the, the products. Well, the Department now, of Justice just had a huge indictment of one of the, not just the um, Chinese Communist Party members that was conducting the fentanyl precursors, but also the money launderers was just indicted. I forget the next guy's name on the top of my head. But he was indicted for laundering money for the cartels through China and then back into the United States and Mexico. That's right. So if we designate them as a terrorist organization, and Jason Jones does this expertly through uh, in episode six as well of the documentary series, um, but we have to cut them off. And that way, internationally, they're now known as a terrorist organization, which uh, brings attention to them, where we are forced then to take measures that are necessary to prevent them from further doing any business with us. Um, also, would restrict business doing operations with Mexico and the short being until it is audited and made sure that Mexico's dealings are not infiltrated by the cartels. Because as a humanitarian, as most people care about other human beings or as they proclaim they do, we have to be able to take care of each individual. And for people that actually want to come into this country and we want to for their well-being, if you say that, you're, oh, well, these are just migrants, then you have to take care of them where they're at and where they're coming from. 
and see that this terrorist organization is slaughtering thousands of people, making 5,000 people miss a year where they just don't end up in an obituary, they're missing. So we have to understand that this terrorist organization is a bigger threat than any other Middle East organization to the America's sovereignty. So label them as a terrorist organization and then actually praying and understanding that these lives of all the individuals involved. Uh, I actually had the opportunity to tackle a coyote uh, coming in and uh, cast a grand. And I asked him questions, just basic questions. And this is a kid that just owes money. You know, like some of these people owe money to the cartels. They're not actually part of the cartel, but they are forced to do it because it's either lead or silver. You either get paid or you get murdered. So if you care about people, you will force as a people, we have to make our voices heard. We have to go and get legislation done to where they, they are labeled as terrorist organization and that we want to take care of people and we want to take care of our own people, whether it's fentanyl or just violence and crime and all the different organizations sprouting across America that are infiltrated by the cartels with human trafficking. Over 20,000 kids are missing due to human trafficking. We have to do something. And it starts with us as individuals raising up and actually saying we won't stand for this anymore. No, I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Lee Shijur was the name of the uh, the launderer, by the way, Lee Shijur, who was indicted and convicted of laundering. But of course, with the Chinese Communist Party, they're just going to find another one. It's the same deal with these cartels. They're going to find another one. You know, for me, I I, I don't know. You, you know, you guys mentioned it, so I'm going to have to throw it out there. It would certainly be nice if we had some sort of, I don't know, physical barrier separating yeah. the North and South, almost like a... Um, Almost like a wall, you know, some kind hey, hey, of. Let me, uh, <laughs> yeah, let, let me hit that really quick because yeah, there's ahead. confusion on this wall. You know, a wall is not a perfect barrier, but sure. where it is complete and we saw it complete. You're talking lights, sensors, cameras, you know, all of the technology that they put on this wall. The wall is impressive. And in those areas where it exists, you know, they're not crossing there. They're going around. And the where the where they are coming in is where the wall is missing. So, you know, it's not going to be a perfect barrier, but it will slow them down. Right. You're going to create that friction, time for the drones to be able to get there, yep. time for the teams to be able to get there. And you're also what you're doing is you're channelizing it so that uh, you know where those areas are going to be. So to, you know, to Steve, to your point, for these guys getting overwhelmed, then they'll be able to focus on hopefully those areas. We're down to our last two minutes, guys. Let, let me um, just add real quick. So, safe rounds. Go right ahead. Yeah, real quick. So it's a simple solution. When you said a blank check, you don't need a blank check. You can actually, with the system that we worked with Bryce at Covered Six, there's a solution that is substantially less, way more effective that in the private sector, if shared with the public sector, could be a huge solution into reducing the, inc uh, the incoming bad elements and a, a, a better approach to apprehending people safely and actually being able to stop some of this stuff that's going on, you know? No, absolutely. I mean, it, it would be so easy to do that. I wish, and, and back to Bryce's point, we just need the political will. Everyone knows where to follow me, human events. Uh, Marcus, where can people follow you? Oh, well, they can look yeah, at Center 48. Yeah, they can look at Center 48. That's a production company that Kent and I both own and operate. Um, I would encourage you to actually watch The Great Global Reset, a documentary that uh, Jack is also a part of, as I believe it, as uh, uh, Bryce mentioned earlier, as a well, Marcus and I got frisked at the, uh, yes. the World Economic Forum by the World WEF yeah. Police. Didn't even get dinner out of that one. 
No, yeah, but I believe that is the catalyst for all of this. Uh, this is the destabilization of our own country, uh, right. utilizing foreign assets to basically break us apart from within. Um, so I believe if you watch that, uh, that will be a great precursor in understanding as to why the devastation at the border is happening. No, they go together. They certainly go together. Steve, where can people go to access you and get access to your work? Yeah, they can. I'm 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 an open book. Steve Slepsevic. Uh, you can find our company, Strategic Response Partners, um, disaster management company, srp24.com. Amen. Bryce, your uh, same question for you. What are your coordinates? Yeah, you can follow me at Super Bryce Eddy on Instagram, or I'm the host of Liberty Station on Salem's Podcast Network. And so you can find me there. All right. And we are going to make sure to put all of that information here in the description. Of course, on the podcast side, we'll have it down for everybody. I want to say thank you again to the panel. Thank you guys for your work outside of this. And then also your work into making border battle this incredible success that it is. And I think we can all agree that we pray that all of this humanitarian disaster eventually will be ended in our lifetimes. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.